Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Back three or four decades ago, ABC had an interesting television show where they would have the superstars of many sports, including pro football playing in a competition where they do obstacle course and all kinds of crazy things. Clay Parker joins us to talk about the football aspect of the Super Stars and Super Teams competition coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal to positive football history. And gosh, we have a great episode for you today. We are going to be talking about a show from the 70s that was really great pop culture. And for folks that didn't live during the 70s or even the 80s when the show was popular, it was the Superstars competition. And it was something pretty big on uh, ABC Network. And we have a gentleman that has a website where he's capturing a lot of these Superstars stars competitions and looking for help for you his name is clay parker and clay welcome to the pig pen well welcome dan glad to be here and uh, thank you for having me today yeah clay you know this is a a great uh website and a great uh, thing that you're doing you're collecting all these superstars competitions really brought back some great memories that we'll share here in a little bit but like we always like to do when uh, folks come on for the first time we want our audience to become familiarized with our our guest and uh, just want to get to know a little bit more about you so so clay what's sort of some of your background with sports that made your your love affair with it to be to the point of uh, you know wanting these these great superstars competitions and talk about these great athletes yeah uh there i, I kind of grew up just being a big sports fan in the 80s uh, uh you know watching nfl major league baseball nba I became a big olympic fan i was a kid in 1984 los angeles olympics came around and, and, and began the track and field and then probably somewhere along that way I, mid 80s i discovered the superstars i was flipping around like people did back in the day i was a little probably 9 10 11 years old and I stumbled across all these athletes from different sports competing in all these random events, weightlifting, 100-yard dash, basketball, golf, tennis, you name it. And I was like, what is this? This is cool. And uh, I just kind of became a fan ever since. And, uh, you know, I watched it. You know, it kind of ran through. It ran through 94, took a little bit of break, came back a little bit in the late 90s and early 2000s. Of course, it's off the air now. But you can go to YouTube and uh, catch – Many great old episodes, but uh, anyway, I, I kind of grew up and just became a big 
superstars fan. And I'm a, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, I just like athleticism, versatility, and I'm a big decathlon fan. And I just thought the superstars was really a unique event. And obviously it was real competitive, but there are also moments that were quite humorous as well. So I, I just kind of came in love with it. And, uh, and I guess here I am. Yeah. So, but okay. You alluded to it a little bit here, telling us of what the superstars is. Some of our listeners may not know or be familiar with what superstars was. So in a, in a nutshell, you know, give us the 50,000 foot view of uh, the superstars competition. I'll tell you a little bit of background. Uh, Dick Button created it, which he was, he's actually still alive. He just celebrated, I think his 94th birthday, but uh, he was the figure skating all around champion for the Olympics back in 48 and 52 way back then. And, uh, I think in 1949, he won the Sullivan Award, which was recognized as America's greatest all-around athlete. And his response was, I'm not the best athlete in America. In fact, I'm one of the worst athletes in my high school. He goes, I just happen to have a good, you know, I worked hard at figure skating and, and it's a skill and I became worked hard, but I'm not a great athlete. I'm, you know, there's other athletes in, in my class that are much better athletes than me. So it kind of got his, got his mind thinking and he kind of developed the superstars competition, which I think initially they were calling America's best all around athlete. He pitched it to a bunch of networks back in the sixties and nobody really took up on it. And in 70, I think it was 72. He got in touch with Barry, Barry Frank, who's was friends with Rune Arledge and uh, decided ABC sports said they'd take a stab at it. And of course it's uh, it's, it's, it started off as it's 10 athletes from different sports came together and they did this 10 event competition all the athletes, I think, chose seven events, and you couldn't choose your specialty. So if you're a basketball player, you couldn't enter the basketball shooting contest. If you were a sprinter, you couldn't run the 100-yard dash, for example. And uh, these athletes got together, and, of course, the first few seasons, there was very little training. So you saw guys, you know, uh, Johnny Unitas trying to lift weights, and you saw Joe Frazier trying to swim. And it was kind of, you can go back on YouTube, like we mentioned, and, and watch some of it. It's quite hilarious, but it, it became very competitive. And one of the big things that really interested athletes were they got paid well. I mean, athletes weren't making, back in the 70s, they weren't making a lot of money. And I think the winners of these competitions were making, you know, $18,000, $12,000, which was some of them a quarter, a third of their salary. So they like, they got a free trip. They started off in Florida and, uh, they got a free trip to Florida for a week and got a chance to compete in these events and make some extra money. So it was a, a no brainer for a lot of these athletes to compete in. Yeah, it was, uh, I told you before, I watched a couple of videos and I got stuck in the 1974 season. Uh, one of it was because Keith Jackson and Howard Cosell were the hosts of that season. I'm not sure if they were the years prior to that, but those are two of my favorite all time broadcasters of sports. And, you know, Keith uh, Jackson, main, the main MC, but Howard Cosell, just some of those uh, candid little things he would do off to the side with some of the athletes. But Keith Jackson starts off the, the episode that I watched and he said, hey, one of these athletes is going to be going home a very wealthy man. They could win one hundred and twenty two thousand dollars. And I, I almost had to start laughing, you know, and they they had big name talent in the episode I watched. You know, there was uh, O.J. Simpson, Franco Harris, um uh, Dick Anderson played for the Miami Dolphins as football players. Uh, 
uh, you know, then they had, you know, Kyle wrote junior who, whose father played professional football. He was a soccer player and, uh, you know, some other, they had some skiers and some weightlifters and things like that. But, you know, just, just some of the things that the $122,000 grand prize is being, you know, somebody's going to be very wealthy. Our, our uh, athletes today in a sport would probably, you know, probably chuckle at that a little bit. It might be a game fee for them. <laughs> That's right. It's right. In fact, uh, the first season, Bob Seekern walked away with $39,700. So, which was, as a track and field athlete back then, it was a huge amount. In fact, he had turned pro. You know, back then, Olympic athletes couldn't make uh, couldn't make money, but he had turned pro, so he was able to collect thirty nine thousand seven hundred dollars. Which, you know, that's inflation. That's a lot of money, especially for track and field athletes back then. So, uh, and even if it was, even if you're a professional athlete, you know, you were making what fifty, a hundred thousand dollars a year. So you walk away with ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand. That's a good chunk of money. So there was a, obviously a driver there, financial driver, but also it was competitive, fun. They got to hang out with athletes that they had watched on, you know, there wasn't social media back then. So Johnny Bench didn't know Elvin Hayes or didn't know Joe Frazier or Bob Segrin or John Unitas unless maybe a award show or, or they had the same agent or something like that. So they got to meet new friends, new athletes and, you know, people they watched on TV. So it was kind of a, a, a mingling point for a lot of those athletes. Yeah, and it. Uh, I mean, the, the episodes I was watching and I'm remembering back, they the athletes uh, you know, from different sports genres, like you said, they they socialized. They really had a, some good times. They had some laughs together, you know, in uh, both in the, the agony of defeat using the ABC word and uh, you know the thrill of victory. They really had some great times, and uh, you know, like in Howard Cosell and Keith Jackson, and the episodes I was watching really added some humor and some great things on it too. And they they even brought along some uh, athletes from the day that weren't even competing. Like Larry Zonka wasn't competing in it, uh, but he he was on there, and he had a little chat with Howard Cosell, and Howard Cosell was trying to bust his chops a little bit. And that, you know, said you're trying to make him feel guilty why he wasn't competing. And you know, Zonka just gets up there and says, well, you know, hey, I'm I'm not an all around athlete. I just try to be good at one thing. And then he made some comments that Howard Cosell stole a bottle of gin out of his room and <laughs> Cosell about about lost it. And, uh, and Cosell tried to come back with a quip and Zonka, you know, with some other athletes behind him, Dick Anderson and his teammate and some others are down there said, Hey, Howard, I'm going to throw your uh, expletive into the pool here in about a second. And Howard Cosell just had to walk away laughing. There's just some funny things like that. I, I... Yeah, you're right. It was funny. And of course you mentioned Howard Cosell. He ended up doing the spinoff, the battle of the network stars, which became a very popular series. I think it ran for about 10 or 12 years. As well, it started probably a couple of years after the superstars. A lot of people remember that as well. Right. But uh, it was kind of the same dynamic. And you mentioned uh, 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 Keith Jackson and Howard Cosell. There were a lot of different. OJ Simpson was a co host at one point. Al Michaels did it. Dan Deardorff. There were a lot of different, uh, well respected uh, you know, commentators and uh, announcers that filled in. Ahmad Rashad eventually did some. It just uh, uh, Jim McKay was the host of the first one. So okay, there were a lot, yeah. of, a lot of talented, and it was kind of a, kind of a, a relief and uh, relaxation time for them because they, it wasn't as serious as pro sports or, or NBA, you know, it, it, World Series, NBA Finals, and playoffs and that sort of thing. So they were all kind of relaxed and having a good time, but still competing at the same time. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Now, you t- said that they had uh, the, the, basically they had ten events. 
each athlete had to do seven. So you had to drop out of three, one of them being whatever your specialty is. Like you mentioned some, you know, basketball players couldn't shoot hoops and, you know, golfers couldn't golf and things like that. So what were the 10 events that were pretty common to it? I know they changed them around a little bit during. Yeah. So the first year I actually have the itinerary. I have a couple of the old programs from when it first started. I have the itinerary for the first ever, uh, superstars. It was filmed back or it was, uh, filmed back in February or, or competed a hell back in February of 73. It was was a two-day event, February 19th and 20th of 73, and it aired the following weekend, that Saturday, so they had a chance to kind of edit a little bit. But uh, it started off with a tennis – they had a tennis tournament that morning at 9.45. They had a golf event uh, at 1.30. I think they did nine holes of golf back then. They had a swimming competition at 4.15. Usually it was a sprint, 50-meter sprint, something like that. Uh, then they had a bowling event that night at 7.45, and they finished at weightlifting at 9.45. That was day one. This was in Rotunda Beach, Florida, a community that was built, uh, kind of a development community. And this was one of the big events that brought a lot of attention to Rotunda. Uh, I think it was West Rotunda, Florida, back then. And the next day, um, Darren, they started off baseball hitting at 9 a.m. Then they had a ping pong table tennis tournament at 11, followed by three track and field events or or two track and field events and a cycling event, the 100-yard dash at 1.30, half-mile run at 2.45, and they finished with a two-mile bike race at 4 o'clock. So that was the 10 events. They eventually replaced, I think the next year, they replaced uh, table tennis with the obstacle course, which became a huge kind of the signature event of the uh, superstars. But that's kind of how it went for uh, season one. Of course, Bob Seger, I mentioned earlier, he was the winner. He was a last-minute replacement, too. They had a, uh, a jockey. I think it was Willie Shoemaker that couldn't make it for some reason and uh, his injury or another commitment or something like that. So uh, Bob Seagram was a last minute replacement, of course, turned out, turned out to be a, a great, uh, a great choice as he won the event. Yeah. I think he was even in the 1974 one that I was watching, he was competing and they, they commented on that. The, he was the defending champion. You know, he, he was uh you know, looking at him compared to some of the athletes that he was, you know, up against, you know, it was like the, you know, the OJ Simpsons and, uh, you know, Pete Rose that, that I watched on there, you know, he looked very skinny and you're thinking, okay, this guy doesn't stand a chance, but maybe that's the body style. That's, uh, the, the best built for that, you know, sort of built for all of those, uh, events a little bit better than, you know, somebody like John Havlicek trying to, to do some of the, the weightlifting and stuff, you know, it was a little awkward for him. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And, uh, of course, pole vaulters really, you know, if you follow track and field, they're one of the best athletes because they have to have speed, they have to have upper body strength, and, you know, and they have to have very very agile as they're going over the bar. So uh, pole vaulters, you know, obviously it's a very interesting and fascinating event to watch because they go 19 and 20 feet high. But the, their athletes are very underrated athletes. There. They're not as well known as – of course, a Johnny Bench or a Elvin Hayes or a Joe Frazier. But, uh, you know, for, for really sports guys, they know that pole vaulters are great athletes. And I think, like you said, I think the event suited uh, Seagram very well. Yeah. So, you know, these are, you know, names that we're throwing out there are not any small potatoes. These are the major athletes of the day. You know, they're, I think they did a really good job of uh, portraying, especially the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL. These are the top you know, stars. You know, we had, like we said, you know, Miami Dolphins who were 
right fresh off an undefeated uh, championship season 72 there you know some of them in 73 and 74 uh you know Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and the Big Red Machine was probably the hottest uh ticket in baseball at the time Havlicek with the Celtics and uh you know but there was also some leagues that uh you know we've long forgotten about you know they had uh, you know Kyle Rote Jr of the the NASL soccer you know the, the Dallas Tornadoes I think was the team he played for and then there was a gentleman a basketball player escapes my name now that played for the uh the Buffalo Braves in the ABA, uh, just some kind of cool things to go back and catch a little bit of sports history uh, in that as well. Now, you said, uh, okay, we, we know who won that first event. Were, were there any repeat winners uh, during during the uh, span of this? Uh, and if so, who, who might they be? Yeah, there were uh, quite a few of them. Uh, the one that won it the most times, so the man that won it the most times was Ronaldo Nehemiah, the great, uh, you know, he was a, uh, uh, world record holder in the 110 hurdles. And then he, you know, joined the San Francisco 49ers, had a few good years there, and then came back to track and field later on. He was just a great athlete. He won it four times. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, he won it. Uh, now, after, shortly after that, they put him in a, it's called the Brian Bud Rule. There was a, uh, a Canadian. Uh, you know, later on, they developed the world superstars. And, you know, this grew, you know, it started off in the United States. Later that year, it went to England. They ended up going to Netherlands, Ireland, Sweden, Canada. Australia had it for a year and New Zealand. And they all the winners of each of each uh, country superstars would go to the world superstars. And they had a big kind of an international thing. Well, Brian Budd won that three times in a row. And he, wasn't a, he was a, a soccer player and wasn't a big household name. And there's a lot of dispute and controversy whether they nobody wanted a kind of a not a journeyman by any means but not a superstar athlete to win that award so they kind of limited it to hit three times but back then before brian bud came along uh, ronaldo nehemiah won it four times uh, he's the only in fact there were 28 superstars held 50 i, I split nehemiah's in half i give track and field credit for two and football credit for two because the years he won it were the years that he was playing those sports you can make a good case that maybe all four should go to track since that's where he originally came from Nonetheless, I split it up uh, that way. Uh, if, if you count all four, if he has football has 15, I usually give him 13, splitting them miles in half. So football, 13 times they won uh, the, the, uh, the event. And I think track and field was second with like, I think I had, oh, track and field had five uh, winners and seven if you count Nehemiah. So football, I have a 13. Track and field, I have a seven. Soccer won it three times. Kyle Rope Jr. winning all three. Alpine skiing won twice, water skiing once, freestyle skiing once, and Kelly Gruber got the one win for baseball, and I think in the in the mid nineties. So, football really and really, I hate to say dominated superstars, but football players did very well. And I think they they probably had the most. Uh, they were the best best represented, at least in the seventies, of any of the sports. I think like half of the competitors were were of the the ten competitors where they had. I think were NFL players. So maybe that's a the numbers, you know, were in their favor, that's for sure. Yeah, well, part of the reason they, you know, they started, uh, I think it was in 75 with preliminaries. You know, the first couple of years, they just had a finals. And I think it was in 75, uh, They maybe it was 74, I'll have to look and see. But, uh, I think they started a preliminaries, and they had four preliminaries. So they would try to break them up differently. So there'd be one that was heavy on football, one was heavy on baseball, one kind of had basketball and hockey together, and then one had – you know, different sports. So 
you know, part of the reason football was represented is because they did well in there. I think they would take the top two or three in each preliminary. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, they'd have one would have a couple of crossover athletes, but football was represented well and, and football players did very well. So, yeah, I, I guess so one of the big questions, maybe some people don't understand, uh, maybe you can help explain that, you know, Today, we would probably never see that. We would never see, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes competing in this or, you know, any other, uh, you know, LeBron James or anybody like that because they're, they're so highly paid and, uh, you know, risk of injury is too much for their teams. So, but the 70s and the 80s were a little bit different where guys could, uh, and girls, you know, compete and they could go and do pretty much what they wanted without a lot of uh, flack from their teams. Maybe they got a, a little bit of flack, but they didn't have the super structured contracts and everything that they have now and the insurance policies on them like they do. And those folks weren't making money like you alluded to earlier. So That's right. There's an, We'll get to this later. There's an article, uh, Jim Capel on ESPN wrote an article back in, in 2009. He called it, and it's, we'll get to this later, when we have the super teams, the greatest athletic competition ever. And a couple of the, it's, it's a really good article. But Andy Russell, you know, former All-Pro linebacker for the Steelers, you're probably familiar with. Yeah. He said winning the Superstars competition was a big deal, not because of its importance, because of the money for the winning team. We went there just to have fun. We were there to win and collect the winner's check, which was substantially more money than any of us were making for a football game, including the Super Bowl. I put the money in my kid's college fund, helping him go to Dartmouth. So, uh, you know, and, and David Osborne, another a great player back then, said I think in Super Teams. If we won the first row, we were guaranteed, I think, 5000 a person. Even if you didn't win, you got a free vacation. And he goes, if you made it to the final, you won like $10,000. He goes, that was big when you were making $50,000 a year, kind of as I alluded to earlier. So you could make 10 or 20% of your salary over a couple of days worth of you know, fun, if you will. Yeah, a vacation, a paid vacation almost. You know? <laughs> yeah, a paid, a paid uh, vacation where you compete a little bit, you know. So, and you have somebody with a TV camera following you around. <laughs> so, that's right. That's right. So, all right. So uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the hosts of it and which were very famous names. You know, ABC really had a, a great uh, sports broadcasting team. They had some really uh, stalwart people that uh, did, you know, back then it's been the days before ESPN and Fox sports and, and all that. But, uh, you know, the athletes, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the early football players who were some of the, the football players, the NFL players we may recognize from some of the other episodes, you know, later on the 70s and the 80s and beyond yeah Darren, it's interesting you said that i uh i spent some time yesterday counting and i may have missed one or two the number of football players that made it the hall, hall of fame football players that competed in the superstars either the super teams or superstars i counted 72 72 Seven, hall of famers 72 hall of famers and wow. i, I kind of ranked them but i'm not going to go through it but here are a couple of the top players that competed in the superstars Walter Payton, you've got uh, Jerry Rice, of course, O.J. Simpson, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, uh, the great John Hanna, Dick Buck has competed in one. And then you mentioned uh, more recent players, Terrell Owens competed not too many years ago, Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders. So uh, that's just a list of uh, some of the all-time greats. You can throw in, there's, you know, Johnny Unitas, Ronnie Lott, Mel Blunt, uh, Randy White. I mean, lots of great athletes, but I counted 72 
uh, athletes that compete in the superstars that eventually made their way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. I mean, sit there and think about it. In the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think there's less than, there's only like 400 some in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And some of those are coaches and executives. And so you have a, a pretty high percentage of guys in Canton with a, a bronze bust that were on this television show. That's that's amazing. And, and there's about, I'd say a dozen more guys I kind of looked at that, that have a Kenny Anderson, Isaac Bruce, Randy Gratishar, who a lot of people think he may make it this year. Uh, Lester yeah. Hayes, Steve McMichael's another one that may make it this year. Albert Lewis, uh, Everson Walls, Ricky Waters. There's a lot of other great football players that could make that. So that 72 number could hit 75 or 80 in the next you know, five or 10 years. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I think you might be hitting 80 here in the next five years with some of those could names. Be, yeah. Those are some outstanding names in uh, NFL history. Wow. That is really slick. So um, the, the, the events that they did – were, were some of them sort of staples that stayed, you, know, you, you said the obstacle course came in a few years later and we know that, uh, you know, that was sort of the grand finale. I think they ended up making it in the, the later years, but what were some of the, uh, besides ping pong and uh, uh, you said another one that got, got uh, relieved of its duties from being on further shows. What were some of the other more interesting events that these guys had to do uh you know, that maybe didn't okay, last. Like I said, they played tennis. They just played a game to six. And then, of course, golf, they, they kind of changed it. They had nine holes. And at one point, they just had a closest to the pin. So they kind of – sometimes they tweaked it a, a good bit. Um, swimming, like I said, it was usually a 50-yard or 50-meter dash. A couple of times they went 100 yards. Bowling, they went from a full game to a three uh, – you know, three lane – I mean, excuse me, three rounds uh, of that. Weightlifting – weightlifting was kind of a – kind of like a jerk you know you've seen a cleaning jerk kind of a military standing military press or the jerk where the bar is pretty much at shoulder weight and you have to just lift it over your head uh reggie white actually still has the, the superstars record for that event uh baseball hitting i think they just did baseball for uh, a few years maybe four or five years they they kind of uh broke it off and had like based on how far that you hit the ball, like if you hit it in the outfield, you get one point. If you hit it in the middle of the outfield, you got two points and three points. So that was kind of how they did uh, baseball. Of course, I mentioned uh, table tennis. And then track, obviously, kind of speaks for itself. They had a 100-yard dash. Uh, of course, the British version, the Europeans did 100 meters, but they did a half-mile run and, of course, a two-mile bike race. And sometimes, the, depending on where it was held and things like that, they might tweak the distance a little bit. But generally, that was kind of the – the, uh, the primary events initially. And then I said that the obstacle course came around in 74, which became the staple event. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fascinating to see. I, I, the obstacle course is what drew me in, you know, watching those guys. I always sit there going, how would I do on it? And how could I, I always thought, how could you make it better to make it fair for different sports and all that? But overall, it was a very, very popular event and very fun to watch. Yeah, and I, I think they really set a trend on that television show with the obstacle course because television shows that were sort of reality competitions like that in years to come, you know, I'm thinking like American Gladiators and, uh, you know, the recent ones they just had with The Rock had one a couple years ago. They had versions of that. Uh, uh, John Santa had a show not too long ago that was, you know, some more of a military obstacle course. But these were the sort of their their ending, the culminating uh, you know, championship of the episode. You had to run the gauntlet. And uh, it all started with that superstars competition. That, that's kind you're, of a neat you're, thing. You're, 
you're exactly right. And my wife watches the, the challenge. It kind of spun off the MTV uh, Road Rules Real World Challenge where they have athletes from, you know, Survivor and Big Brother and all that. They go on and they have this competition similar to, like you said, the obstacle course. And American Gladiators, it's funny you mentioned that because I watched the 30 for 30 and there's a Netflix documentary on there too. One of the reasons I do this, uh, we do all the, you know, the, the website and, and the different uh, social media pages is obviously to bring back great memories, but I would love for somebody to pick up a 30 for 30 or some kind of documentary on the super. I think it'd be fascinating. And uh, the, the best thing would be obviously to bring it back one day. That's what everybody wants. But in the meantime, I think it'd be fascinating to have a, a documentary, go back and interview some of these athletes and show some footage and just, there's lots of great footage out there. Yeah. Uh, well, just just a little tidbit out there for you, too. Uh, my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, that's where the creators of American Gladiators started. They started uh, a competition yeah. here in Erie. These two two guys that are sort of legends and, uh, you know, weightlifting and, you know, strongman type competitions. They sort of started the American Gladiators and got somebody in Hollywood to take it on and, uh, you know, did a great job with that. So, uh we, we have a little bit of a claim to that. So <laughs> we, that's we, cool. We yeah. That. That's very cool. We'll be back with more from this interview in just a moment, right after this. If you have ever seen a sports story on TV or online, or maybe in a newspaper, chances are once upon a time you have seen it before. Hello, I'm Dana Augusta, former sports writer and now podcaster. And I host a show called historically speaking sports where we place a historical spin on a current sports headline or take the topic that most people are talking about and compare and contrast it through the lens of sports history. In this show, we talk to researchers, authors, and other sports history connoisseurs about what fans and analysts are talking about, yet in the terms of sports history. We also do a weekly top five countdown, highlighting moments that pertain to the subject of the show or the five greatest moments in the history of sports that took place that week. And to complete the show, we send a shout out to a famous sports figure or moment in sports history that both pertains to that episode or someone who had a dramatic role in sports history or an event in history that fans just need to be reminded of. The show, Historically Speaking Sports, where we put a historical spin on sports headlines. That's Historically Speaking Sports, right here on the Sports History Network. This is Harv Aronson of the Total Sports Recall Podcast, your source for sports news and topics from a different angle. And you are listening to the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast. And now we return to our interview with our special guest. What ended up being sort of the demise of why why it was taken off the air or you know people lost interest or, or what? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, obviously the money factor came into play. I don't recall, you know, you always think about injuries. I don't recall there being any significant injuries. You know, we obviously talk back to the, the Pro Bowl when they were, you know, when Robert Edwards tore his knee and it kind of, you know, they were doing some of that skills competition. And uh, although they do some of it now, in fact, when the Pro Bowl – announced a couple of years ago they were going to eliminate the Pro Bowl and do some of these deals. There was a kind of a underground movement to bring the superstars and let that be, uh, you know, the, the, the all-pro event, if you will. And, uh, in fact, I think it was 1982, they had a, um, a football Monday night superstars event. I think it was during a strike, if you remember. And they had a – they recorded a, a, a superstars competition and broadcast it, and it was kind of a, 
a fun little thing there. So uh, to answer your question, Darren, I don't know exactly what happened. I think TV ratings, I think there was a little bit of saturation after a while with most, there's not too many shows like Survivor that can go on for 20 plus years. Most shows after 8, 10, 12 years, they kind of run its course. So, uh, and they started moving away from, they started moving them to some of these more remote place places. And they added like, in 1993, they added the jet ski competition. I think the sponsor uh, was involved with that. And they kind of changed the events a little bit. And, you know, I, I don't know. I guess money was a factor there and a little bit of burnout and what have you. And, in fact, the last one that and, and I mentioned, you know, big in, it was big in Britain. In England, it was arguably as big as it was here. And in 2012, they had like a, after the Olympics, they had a, a superstars competition in England held there. And Anthony Joshua, the boxer, he won that competition, I believe, but uh, it's so it's been, you know, uh, what eleven years now since it's been held anywhere. Uh, although I think Sweden does a little version, kind of a modified version of it now, but uh, I, I just think it was a little bit of burnout, money, you know, athletes obviously maybe not quite getting as many athletes as you could. Some of the elite athletes, and I don't know, just a, a variety of things. Yeah, now would you say you know we've talked about you know some of these shows that uh, sort of picked up on that and like you talked about the the Survivor ones or the Survivor and Big Brother people are doing it. Your wife's watching, you know, like American Ninja Warrior. That's sort of almost in that same vein with you know not not the celebrities doing it, but these are like superior athletes that uh, you know they're like uncanny and you know some some have like insect like qualities hanging on to you know things way too long and crawling across things with their hands and whatever, you know, it's just amazing. I, I think that's a, almost the same vein as uh, superstars. I, I agree with you. Yeah. All these, you know, we talk about the challenges, American gladiators. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the show, the Rockhead a couple of years ago on, um, and, and of course, American Ninja warrior, which is very popular, but it's kind of that same vein. Like you said, they uh, just do something a little out of the box and that's kind of what the obstacle course and, and to get, go back to that, you know, it was a, and you remember this, you can go on YouTube and, and, uh, and watch. In fact, we have a, uh, a YouTube page at superstars comp where we just have a play. We have over 200 uh, superstars videos in our playlist, which some of them are just little ads and little promos, but some of them are actual full competitions or maybe one event, but the obstacle course, if you remember, they climb up a 15 foot wall and some of them would, there's a you know rope you pull yourself up. Some of them would run and jump and grab the top of it and pull themselves over, and then you'd fall down and they'd have a little tunnel you'd go in. Of course, it, it changed over time, but generally it was you go under a tunnel, then you hit a blocking sled. You drive the blocking sled, which us football guys are like, hey, drive the blocking sled, a little power there, and then you go and you have the tires and you run, you hit the tires, you know, like eight or ten tires, and then there's a water jump. It's about 15 foot water jump, and then the high bar is what messed up people a lot. Because you're coming off that, you got a four foot high high bar. The really successful ones, the Lynn Swans, the Mike Powells, were able to hurdle the high jump bar. And a lot of them would flip over. And of course, a lot of times you'd hit the bar, which is a pretty significant penalty. Then you'd have two hurdles and you sprint out the end. So the best athletes did it in about 21, 22 seconds. Uh, some of them it took close to a minute. I mean, it was it was kind of <laughs> rough. And some of them couldn't get over the wall, they ended up having to run around. It'd be like a five second penalty. And you know, different things like that. In fact, I have a stat somewhere. There was, there's been seven athletes in the history. I thought this was a pretty interesting statistic. If I can pull if I can find it real quick. There's a, uh, here, uh, yeah, seven athletes in history have broken 22 seconds in the obstacle course. 
And to me, with the possible exception of the 100-yard dash, I think the obstacle course is the most athletic event just because the wide variety of things I've discussed. Those seven mm-hmm. athletes, Lynn Swan, who has the fastest time, he did it in a super teams competition, Mike Powell, the you know current, still current uh, world record holder in the long jump, uh, decathlete Dave Johnson, who uh, was in the Dana Dave commercial, he got a bronze in 92. Nolan Cromwell, a very underrated safety, uh, kind of a borderline Hall of Fame uh, candidate, Mark Clayton, another very good athlete, Ken Griffey Sr., a baseball representative, and Willie Galt was the other one. So that's the seven athletes that have broken 22 seconds. And there's a lot of other great ones like Nehemiah, they got real James Lofton, that were right on that range cusp of it. But those seven athletes, and to me that kind of stands out as one of the best uh, athletic feats in the Superstars. Okay, now you, you've mentioned the super teams uh, a couple of times. Why don't you explain to us what, what the super teams competition was? Yeah, so in uh, I think it was the maybe the second or third year of uh, – it was, yeah, it's 1975. So in the, in the third year, they decided they were going to have a super teams competition. So they took – I think it was about 10 athletes initially. What they did was they took uh, – in most instances – they took the, the two World Series teams in baseball and the two Super Bowl contenders in football, and they faced off in these in these super teams. And uh, the events were a little bit different than uh, than the individual superstars. They had a tandem bike relay, which is fascinating to watch <laughs> two guys ride a bike together. I mean, it's kind of a little corny now, but uh, they had a running relay, which I think it was about six out. They started off running – like the four by one, and a couple guys ran a 200 uh, or 220 yards, and then the last guy ran a, a full lap, a 440 or 400 meter run. Uh, then you had an obstacle course where they all just kind of a relay of obstacle course. They had a swimming relay where they all ran, I mean, swam like, you know, uh, maybe 50 yards, 50 meters at a time. You had a, a volleyball uh, match where, you know, like a six on six volleyball. Then you had a canoe race, which is kind of like a rowing. They got in there and kind of had a, it was called a war canoe race. And they finished up with a tug of war. And uh, the tug of war, obviously, was kind of the signature event of the super teams. And that was the the article I was mentioning earlier. And I recommend to read it. But uh, anyway, that was, uh, that's kind of how the super teams were set up. Yeah, that's a, a canoe race. Now, I can remember there were some some really hilarious moments and maybe tragic if you're you're rooting for that that athlete to win. But, you know, some of these folks were going in there and just going so off course and, uh, you know, not not uh, not real uh, <laughs> aesthetic at, at uh, doing the rowing mechanism there to, to get the boat to go where they wanted it to. Yeah, that and I mentioned that article, too. I, I recommend everybody go read it. But. It was in, uh, I think it was in 75. Of course, what they did, like I was saying earlier, the two uh, football teams were playing one semifinal and the two baseball World Series finalists were playing another because the basketball was kind of a problem because they filmed it during basketball season. So you had to have athletes, you know, sometimes they'd schedule in the all-star break, you get a couple of them or you'd get players that retired. They're maybe in their mid-30s like Havlicek. It was still a very good athlete that had just retired. Uh but so they get these and they'd compete in the semifinals against each other. And then the two winners would be baseball versus football would, would compete for the overall, who was the super team there. But uh, the, the infamous one was that 75 matchup between the Steelers and Vikings. And of course, this article really covers it in detail, but uh, it's, it was a deal. I think they had a 16 minute 
deal with it, where they went uh, pulled back and forth and uh, I forgot who actually uh, won the event. I think it may have been a draw because it was just so intense. But uh, the article will say, like Jeff Seaman, former Vikings linebacker, it was the worst physical training I've ever been under. It was the most intense, brutal abuse I've ever gone through, and maybe by far. But this this article that Jim Capel wrote back in 09, and I'll, I'll put it on our Twitter page later, uh, called it the greatest athletic competition ever. <laughs> so it's a little bit hyperbole there, but it was a very intense. I mean, these guys were – Two weeks after the Super Bowl, in which uh, uh, the Steelers won, I think it was 16-6 to six in the Super Bowl, these guys were going all at it, like trying to get revenge. There was money at stake. There was pride. And it ended up being one of the uh, most iconic memories of Superstars history. Yeah, that, I I remember that one. That was that was kind of a neat thing. I'm going to have to go back and watch that one. You, now you reminded me of that. Uh, it had to be some some great stuff with those super teams, and uh, especially the Vikings and the Steelers two weeks after the Super Bowl. You know, tremendous uh, seeing these great yeah. uh, athletes go at it. So, in in you, you've reviewed a lot of uh, videotape, and you've watched probably the majority of uh, the seasons and episodes that were on there. What's what's maybe one of your favorite moments in the superstars or super teams competitions? Uh, of course, I just mentioned that one was really good. Uh, yeah, man, there's so many good ones to go through. I remember Mike Powell coming and winning the competition, just athleticism. You know, I think he set the basketball record that year. He set the obstacle course, non, non, uh, super teams record that year. And then he ran like a 10, seven in the, in the hundred, uh, meter dash. That was a good one. Jason Seahorn. I don't know if you remember, uh, in the, the latter stages of the competition, he had tore his ACL, uh, in a game and he came back. And I don't think the Giants knew that he was there competing because he was supposed to be in rehab. But <laughs> he came out and won the Superstars and kind of said, look, I'm back. I'm healthy again. So uh, there's just so many. I, 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 I start going back to the mid-'80s. Herschel Walker, Willie Gaud. It felt like they were racing every year in the in the, uh, in the 100-yard dash. And In fact, one of those years, Herschel beat Daryl Green uh, in a competition there. But it just seemed like Herschel and Willie, I think they both won the event twice in the 80s. But uh, I just remember their battles. I mean, they were both, you know, Herschel would do great in the weightlifting and the rowing events and Willie Galt, you know, the half mile and, and the 100 yard dash. And they both were great in the obstacle course. And I, that's my earliest memories. It was it's those two. And there's other athletes in, the, in, the, in those years that were competitive as well, Nehemiah being one. But uh, just seeing Herschel and Willie Galt that competed against each other, I think they're both from ten, uh, Georgia, they're both from the SEC. Uh, you know, they both compete against each other in, in college football in Tennessee and Georgia and mm-hmm. track and field. And then they go and, of course, in the NFL with the Bears and Cowboys and, of course, Herschel ended up with the Vikings and Eagles. But they were just rivals through their whole life, pretty much the same age. And here they are in the Superstars competition. And another competition. And once again, it was them two, like I said, a lot of times going mano and mano. And it's just and two tremendous athletes. So it was to me, that was just a lot. That's kind of the thing that really got me hooked was watching those two athletes compete. Yeah, you just you talking about those two's got me all fired up. I'm gonna have to get the old uh, YouTube machine running here in a little bit when we get done here just to watch some of this. So you know, where you you have these things collected, and uh, you you sort of have a project that you want to get you know as much as you can about these events from around the world. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that project and uh, where people can can uh, find you or maybe donate some, some clippings maybe that you're missing, uh, some things like that. 
Yeah, first of all, I'll start with the website. And and uh, G- Jim Medler is the one that created the website. I help him. I provide him a bunch of content. But the website is his. It's uh, the superstars.org. He's done a tremendous job. He's really, you know, I, I kind of do a lot of this now. We and him are friends. I do a lot of this stuff now. He's really the guy that got this whole project started. And he might be a, a guy you can talk to down the road at some point anyway. But I think in back in I'm, I think he started the website in the early 2000s and he's kind of added to it. And of course, I feed him some information to kind of expand on it. But the superstars.org has got almost all this information I've, I've uh, mentioned on there. Of course, there's Wikipedia pages for both the U.S. and the British superstars. It's got some good information there, too. We've got a Facebook page, Superstars Competition. We've got Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, all at Superstars uh, C-O-M-P, Comp. Like I said, the YouTube playlist has got about 200 different uh, episodes. Like I said, some of them are just quick promos and clips and ads and things like that. The Twitter pages are most popular. We're almost at 5,000 uh, followers now. That's kind of our goal. And we've had what we're trying to do with this whole project. Obviously, it's fun just talking about it and, and watching the clips and all that. We're trying to get footage and complete our our website here. There's several years of competition we don't have. or We have the finalists, or we may have the top five or six, but we don't have the full, especially prelims. We have all the finals results because a lot of new, old newspapers will list you know some of that. But there's prelims specifically starting in about 78, to about 81, 82, where there's, we're very, and you can go on the website, there's very limited information on some of those events. And that's what we're trying to, to find. And there's some international ones, some Canadian, uh, British ones that we don't quite have all the information. We have all the winners. We've got some of the, you know, other finalists. And a lot of times we'll have the, the complete list of finalists. We just don't have the event results, like, you know, who, who ran what, and who lifted what. So that's kind of a project for fun. And it's something that, you know, the old, kind of like Negro League stats. The older we get, the harder it is to find that because it's just, you know, there's trying to go back through old newspapers and trying to collect and find information. We'd, we'd love to find some old footage. And I've had two or three people reach out and send me uh, different articles they've recorded off the TV and that sort of thing. Uh, so we've had some success, uh, you know, collecting old episodes. But that's really what we're looking for, old episodes and potentially getting the results of those episodes so we can document. And uh, and I, I have a lot of information. You go on the website and look, but you can go back and see how fast Herschel Walker ran the 100-yard dash or how much uh, weight Brian Oldfield lifted or Lou Ferrigno lifted. or I mean, all these just hmm. interesting athletes. And, uh, I mean, you can see, you know, I mean, some of them it's not a lot, and sometimes it's a lot, and how fast, you know, uh, Deion Sanders swam. I mean, there's it's lots of just interesting for me. I'm a big stats guy, and it's just to me, I kind of find it fascinating all these different stats and numbers and everything. Yeah, very, very cool. So, you guys are going to be like housing some of the videos on there too. Is that on the website? Yeah, well, right now we just have it, uh, we just have a playlist on the, okay. uh, on, on, yeah, but there are on the website, there are some videos you can click on. Mostly it comes from it's embedded from YouTube. Okay. We have. Uh, so you can go in there and watch some of the evidence and there's some pictures on there as well. Obviously you've got copyright issues on some of the like Getty images and some of them have them. You have to purchase those, but you can get, there's images taken from the competition itself that we've posted or the gym has, has posted. So uh, there's lots of information like that, but we're trying to collect as much uh, footage as we can, mainly for these missing. And, and, and there's people, and you know, I sit there and think about it. 
there's people that probably have old VHS tapes in their closet, in their basement, in their attic. They're just sitting there and they don't even, some of them don't even know they have it or they, just, they recorded some old stuff off the TV in the seventies and eighties. And I had, I had actually a couple of mine I had and I was like, I converted to DVD and I was able to upload, but I'm sure some of these, there's people out there that have some of these episodes, but the longer we wait, the more chance there is they get thrown away or they get lost and whatever happens. So we're trying to, you know, collect as many of those as we can and, uh, you know, show the results and kind of share that and, Hopefully one day we'll have this pro uh, project where we know every result that ever happened in the superstars. Yeah. So folks, if you've got that old uh, Laverne and Shirley tape, uh, you think that's on there, <laughs> maybe it ran a little long and covered some superstars. Uh, never know. So there is, there is one, it was an ABC sports where it, it ran over and you got about 40 minutes of one superstars competition. I think it was from 78. We're like, Oh, look, you know, we, somebody stumbled upon that and said, Oh, there it is. But, uh, you know, and sometimes the footage isn't the best. It may be a little grainy or, you know, all that. But uh, you can still make out what happened generally. And uh, like I said, we're trying to collect that. And it's it's been a fun project. It's kind of like collecting anything, baseball cards, stamps, whatever. Uh, it's it's a fun project, but sometimes it does get a little frustrating too. Yeah, but the, the fun is in the hunt though, you know. That's uh, looking for that That's golden it. goose. And when you find them, like that footage you just talked about, the 78 footage, you know, on – run ran over that's some cool stuff that are real treasures so clay you're you're doing a great job this is a fun project i'm glad that you were able to come on here and uh, remind us of this great uh television show you know this is a, a landmark show really you know we like we talked about it's inspired a lot of spinoffs uh, that we even see to this day and uh Man, some of the greatest athletes in the world and definitely some of the greatest uh, National Football League uh, players uh, of their time. So we, we appreciate you. And, uh, folks, we will have the links that uh, Clay mentioned in the show notes of this podcast and on the subsequent link on pigskindispatch.com. Clay Parker, thank you for joining us today in the pig pen. Absolutely, Dan. Excited to be here and uh, looking forward to uh, listening to this podcast just like I do every other one that you produce uh, very soon. We're taking a peek over at the chains in the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. 
Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.